Amen. It's pretty amazing to think about the fact that we just sang boldly that he is the great I am. And I love the passage that was read from Exodus, Exodus that declares that he is the great I am for all generations. And when we sing that name, the great I am, we are uniting ourselves with 2,000 years of church history, of believers that have gathered in locations all over the world, in buildings, by riversides, in basements, in apartments, in homes. And we have declared with them in one voice, he is the great I am. That's a powerful reality to be united with such heritage. This morning, uh, we're really excited to be starting a brand new series, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, The title of the series is Hope is Here. Hope is Here. So many of us hope for something down the road. We hope things will get better. We hope things is not something we long for for one day. It is something that is present. It is a present reality in the life of the believers this morning. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be diving into the powerful hope that we have in Christ that I pray and I I hope you are praying that will strengthen us to endure the various seasons of life. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about, starting with next week, uh, hope for the broken. What what is the hope for the broken this morning and moving into the coming weeks? Then we'll be looking at, in the week following, hope for the underdog. Hope for the underdog. And finishing up four weeks from today, hope for the doubter. Our prayer over the next four weeks is that you will know personally and that I will understand at a greater truth personally the freedom that comes in trusting in the hope in Christ. Also, I would love to encourage you, as we try to do often, I know it is hard in today's day and age to be consistent doing almost anything repeated. Things come up, things happen, we understand. But I would encourage you to commit right now to say, Lord, I will be here. In person the next four weeks, every single Sunday. And I know just saying that, your mind is like mine. You go, well, wait a minute. What about this and that and this and that? If something comes up, something comes up. And to those joining us online, thank you for watching online. We understand it's hard to to do that every week. But if you can do it, if it's possible for you, then maybe you would commit right now to say, Lord, I'm not going to miss one of these messages over the coming four weeks. And then I would encourage you to do this. And, and this morning, we're kind of partnering with many, many churches all over the country in something called National Back to Church Sunday, a day set aside to try to encourage people to get back in the habit of going to church. Now, maybe many of you invited people to come out. Maybe they weren't able to make it. Whatever it is, we just want to partner together with the churches to say, man, we're going to make church a priority. We're going to make it a point to say we're going to be in the building when we can because we want to be before God's word and with God's people worshiping our amazing Savior. And so as we start this series this morning, I'm praying for all the churches that were involved in this, that, that they're seeing people say, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment, a fresh commitment to be consistent in my attendance in church. Not so I can check the religious box, not that I can impress the other people or the pastor, but I view it as a priority. And here's why I think I view it as a priority. I can't speak for you, but for me, the number one reason why I think church is a priority for every believer is, well, because God's word says it is. So that should have got an amen right there, but that's okay. We'll warm up to the amens. It's, it's, we're just getting going. It's fine. Getting that wheel turning. Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That we need to come together. And as we see the day approaching of his return, we need to come together the more, the Bible says. 
But beyond just scripture laying that forth, I believe one of the reasons that church attendance is a priority, trying to be here as much as you can, and I know it's difficult, not to check the religious box, but the reason I think we should want to be together is because we see value in the time we spend together. We see that being with God's people will strengthen us to move through the coming week. Listen, life is hard. And, and if we're being honest, life is hard because people suck. We're just saying it, okay? This is church. We're going to be real. And people suck because people do stupid things. Because people who suck and are stupid are imperfect sinners like me. And I do stupid things. And I say stupid things. I mean, we all do stupid things. And so when we do those things, it hurts other people. It causes issues in other people's lives and relationships. And so I know that life is hard. And trust me when I tell you this, I have learned from experience making church a priority in my life, being with God's people and being under the teaching of God's word has helped me so much in my life, not just dealing with the everyday stuff, but the big things too. And so I pray that you'll say right now, Lord, give me the ability to be committed to being here. And if something wants to distract from that, Lord, give me wisdom to pray over that thing and to really decide, is this worth missing church for? Now, if it's something that is, in your opinion, important enough to do that, that's between you and the Lord. But would you, I'm just asking just to make that decision to say, Lord, I want to commit today. Give me the strength to do this. I had a, a pastor tell me one time, you'll always make time for the things that you want to make time for. And so I want to encourage you this morning, don't do it out of any legalistic, I got to do it, all the pastors telling me I should type thinking. Man, say, no, Lord, I see value in investing in this time. And another reason is not even because of you. The reason church is important is because the person sitting down the row from you, the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, when you show up at church on Sunday, they're encouraged and they're strengthened. Even from a smile, a good morning, a how you doing, it could be the easiest, simplest thing, but it makes a difference. So I would encourage you to make it a point to be here every one of these weeks over the next four weeks. To get us started this morning in our talk of today, I want to ask a question. How many of you would say you have been weary in the last 30 days? Okay, a few hands go up, okay. Now, you may not be sure, maybe you didn't raise your hand because you're like, I'm not really sure what weary means. That's okay. If you're like me, I had to look it up. I think I know what it means. I'm not sure if I know what it means. But weary, as I was looking at some different definitions and some different things here, I came across this definition and I thought it was the best one. So I'm going to read this and then I'm going to ask the question again and see how we do. The word weary could be described as exhausted in strength or emotion. Exhausted in strength or emotion. And so now that you kind of have a better idea of that word, how many would say in the last 30 days, you've come into a time, whether for a moment or a day or a couple days or a week, but over the last 30 days, you would say there was a time where you sat down and you said, I, to yourself, because we don't usually say this out loud, I am exhausted in emotion or strength. How many would say in the last 30 days? Yeah, okay, yeah, there we go. That's, that's a little more what I thought would be accurate. Man, we all feel this way, don't we? So I want you to think for a minute. You don't need to answer out loud because the person you may name that's making you feel that way might be sitting next to you and going home with you. So we're not going to say who's making you feel that way. 
But I think if we really sit back and think, what, what tends to make us feel this way? And so don't, don't have to answer a lot, but just think about this. I jotted down a few things I think, for me, make me feel this way. Work can make us feel this way. Just the act of going to work every day, the routine of going to work and doing the thing and doing the thing, it just makes us feel exhausted. Now let's pause for a second, though, and realize, and I, I, I never thought about this, and I think I shared it a couple months ago, but the author of the book that we're doing for the men's Bible study, Dr. Vodi Bakum, he was teaching on something, and I don't even remember even what he was teaching on, but it was in this talk, he said something like this, and it really made me kind of stop and pause. He said, you know, work is actually a blessing of God. And he said, when you look at Genesis, work, when, when God gave Adam and Eve the job of working the garden to care for the garden, that was not after the fall. It was before the fall. So in God's perfection, in his perfect paradise, where we think, I wish I lived in Eden, I could just lay back under the tree and do nothing. Right? I could just chill out in the sun. Work is actually a blessing from God. Now, what's the problem? When sin enters in, now work becomes more challenging. Now we tend to work and it seems fruitless because referring to our earlier point, people suck. So your manager, your boss may not. Now, do not go to your boss tomorrow and say, listen, I was at church yesterday and my pastor said you suck. So I can tell you this now because my spiritual influence said that's okay to do that. Then when you say that, just go, but by the way, he said, I suck too. So we're okay. We're on the same page. People cannot, or people do things that affect our lives negatively. And so work can be something that exhausts us. How about family? I know right there, you're like, oh, we're going to get that real today. Okay. Family can make us exhausted and not even in bad ways. Just the demands and the responsibilities and the things. How about just driving kids places? Trying to keep up with the schedule of who's going where, what day, and wait, where's that game? Wait, they got to go over here? Oh, they got to go there. And they got that after school? Why'd they make that at 8 o'clock at night on a Tuesday? That seems kind of silly. It, just those kind of things can just leave us exhausted and tired. I said driving kids around. How about just driving in general? Hmm. Listen, I don't know how roads can be being worked on 24-7, 365, and they still aren't good. I've not been able to wrap my head around that. How about society? Just the culture we live in. Just the demands and just the pressures and just the expectations and then just the silliness, the craziness around us. Things that our society is pushing and, and driving for that we feel the weight of that just leaves us exhausted emotionally. Having to always have to, as a follower of Christ, have to try to defend this and debate that and speak out against this. It's tiring sometimes. It can leave us exhausted. How about politics? Mm. Now we're preaching, okay? You, don't, you might be tired of politics and you don't even like politics. You don't even talk about it. You're just tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted from it. Maybe you have someone in your life that seems to make you weary all the time. I'm not going to say who they are. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying. Maybe you have someone in your life that seems to make you exhausted just being around them. Now, I will say this. I know we joke about that. And if we're being honest, especially in marriage, you're going to exhaust each other. You're just going to look at your spouse and be like, can you just go somewhere for a little bit? Like, I don't care where. Just... 20 minutes. Can you just leave? 
They may be saying, like, I can't believe you'd say that to your spouse. No, that's what she says to me. She's always like, could you just go somewhere? Doesn't the grass need to be mowed outside? Go do something. Yes, dear. Okay. Thank you, dear. No, I'm teasing. Okay. But in marriage, like, listen, it's, it's a roommate that never moves out. Like, it's just, they're just there. So it's okay to admit that sometimes in our flesh, let me highlight the word in the flesh, the phrase, because we shouldn't feel this way, but we feel this way sometimes. We're just like, oh man, I'm just exhausted. Now, some of you have someone in your life that isn't your spouse or your children. Maybe it's not even, a, maybe it's just a friend that just makes you feel this way or an influencer in your life. Somebody that just speaks into your life. Listen, as loving as you can, if there's someone in your life that is literally just making you weary to be around them because of their issues, their inability to just let you be sometimes, then maybe you need to prayerfully consider drawing some lines in that relationship and saying, you know what? I'm sorry. This is where I got to stop. Because there are times where people can go too far and demand too much and expect too much. And it's okay to say, I just, I can't, I'm exhausted. I just can't. And so maybe in a, in a more serious sense, you would pray, prayerfully consider that. Like, Lord, where are those lines supposed to be? And so as we unpack all of this, the list can go on and on and on. We've all felt this way or we all will feel this way. I mean, almost every hand in the building went up to say, yes, in the last 30 days, I would describe I've been in a season like that. Now, I think most of us that raised our hands would admit it's not every day for 30 days. Do you know what most people's lives look like? Really laid back, normal, nice, routine seasons. And then we've got those what we call crazy seasons. That's when the demands go a little higher. The expectations go a little higher. Now we got a little more on our plate, but we know it's only for the next six weeks for whatever sport our kids are in or whatever's going on. The job gets a little intense for a little while, but we know, okay, in six to eight weeks, this will be calmed back down. We tend to go through seasons like this. And so how do we handle the up and down of those seasons? What do we do with that weariness, that, that ex- uh, being exhausted? I wasn't sure how to say exhausted there in that context, but it came out. There you go. How do we, how do we handle that? Well, I want to look into God's word, and I want to discover the hope that we have when we are weary in this life. A super simple passage, but one I think that is powerful. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you're using one of the Bibles provided in the seats in front of you, you can just turn to page 690, or 679. So if you're using one of the Bibles provided to you through the chairs there, in the chairs there, through the church, Uh, 679 is the page you want to turn to, which is Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 28 through 30. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. The Bible says this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word, we affirm it as truth, not because we see it as truth, but because it is your word. And I know that in seasons of weariness, Lord, when we're exhausted emotionally or in strength, sometimes our emotions can, can play tricks on us, can make us think things that aren't true. But I pray that as we read these words, we would believe them as truth. Lord, for many, not even because we see it as truth in our lives practically. But again, we declare it as true because your word is true. It's not true because I say it. It's true because it is. In its nature, it is intrinsically truthful. And so I pray that we would submit ourselves under its authority that we would hear what you say to us through this word, that we would believe that by the working of your Holy Spirit that we can be conformed into a way of living that would be consistent with the word of God. And Lord, I pray for the one or, or maybe many, Lord, that it's not just the silly little things that are in their life right now. We all have those things. We all have those things that wear us out just in the everyday what we call the silly little things of life. They're not big deals, really. They're just a lot of little things piling up. But Father, I pray for the one or, or maybe more that have something serious going on right now, like an actual weight on their shoulders, not just a hectic schedule, not just a busy day, but there's a weight, there's a burden there. And Lord, as we're going to talk about, maybe it's because they're trying to do it all on their own. Maybe they don't know Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, and so they're just trying to carry that weight on their own and just be good enough. Maybe it's somebody here who's a believer in Christ who knows they're saved by grace, but is trying to live as though they keep it through their works. Maybe it's somebody here, Lord, that's trying to deal with the situation of someone else in their life, something they're going through. Lord, I don't have all the answers. And Lord, even if I did, I don't have the time to expound on all of them. But that is the beauty of your Holy Spirit indwelling us individually. And the fact that we can all take this copy of God's word to our homes and we can spend time searching the word of God, seeking you as your spirit gives us wisdom and guidance. And so, Lord, we're not going to claim that we'll have all the answers in 45 minutes this morning. But I'm so thankful that we can just scratch the surface and just see a hint of the truth that we see in your word that will prayerfully lead us this week into deeper study. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that it would be applied to our hearts, that we might be changed by the hearing, the reading, and the application of it. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a popular passage for some. Uh, it is truly such an encouraging invitation from Christ. He just invites all of us to come Unto him. The first thing we want to talk about this morning is what is our hope for the weary? What hope do the weary have? Those that are exhausted in emotion or strength from the little things to the big things. What's the hope that we have? Well, the hope that we have and the truth that we have is that we can take our burdens to Jesus. And I know, amen. I know when we say that, it's like, okay, all right, yeah, that's a very churchy answer. Okay, take our burdens to Jesus. What does that even look like? What does that mean to do that? I'm a very big believer that many of us have heard great sermons in our life 
We were convicted by the truth of the sermon. We were convicted by the truth of God's word. And then we left with no idea on what to do about it. I know that's true in my Christian life at times. And so I want to talk about what do we do with our burdens, not just in a conceptual sense, in just a big picture sense, but in a practical sense, what do we do with these burdens? Well, the first thing we do is we take our burdens to Jesus. This is where we start. This is the starting point. We take our burdens to Christ. We can give our burdens, those weights, those things that are exhausting us, the people, the, the, the situations, the responsibilities. We can take those burdens to Christ, the things that weigh us down and wear us out to Christ. And we do that primarily in prayer. We take our burdens to Christ. The things that wear us down and wear us out, we go to Christ in prayer and we lay them before his feet. And you might say, oh, pastor, I've done that. And I would ask you not to answer out loud, but I would ask you to really think about when you say you've done that, have you consistently done that over time? Have you spent time doing that? Or are we talking one prayer, one moment, boom, God didn't fix it. I'm going to try to fix it myself. Because that's really more what we do, isn't it? When we say, I prayed about it. Did we really pray about it? Or did we just go, God, what'd you do with this? All right, I'll take care of it. Like, what kind of prayer are we talking about here? I mean, when, when the Bible says that Paul went before the Lord to remove that thorn in the flesh, he went time and time again. He sought the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm going to give prayer ample time in my life. And so when we take our burdens to Christ, and again, if it's easy for you to remember, whatever wears you out or wears you down, take to him in prayer. If it wears you out and wears you down, take it to him in prayer. Lay it before him and ask him to not only alleviate this burden, but maybe the prayer should be, Lord, if you choose to leave the burden, leave that in my life for a season, I pray that I would learn what I need to learn from this time. I pray that I would glorify you even in the midst of carrying this weight. It sounds so simple, but in reality, most of us don't think it will help. If you're being real this morning with yourself and the Lord, and I pray that you always are, but I know that sometimes in church we get a little more genuine if you're really being honest, you would say, you know what? I don't know, really know if prayer is going to do much of anything. So I'll do it, but I really don't know that it'll do anything. Well, if you're going half-hearted, I mean, still go. But Paul sa- or James says in his epistle, his letter, ask in faith, not wavering. So we go believing that God can alleviate this issue or give us the wisdom through this burden. We think sometimes that this answer of taking it to Christ is way too simple of a solution and try to figure out ways to fix it ourselves. Now we're going to talk about some things that we can do. There are aspects of this we get to play a part in, but first and foremost, we have to take it to Christ. Now in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, I want to give you a little bit of a picture of what's being talked about here because it's a great invitation, but I want to explain a little bit more about who was being invited and why. Jesus was sharing this invitation with a crowd of people that we're feeling the weight of trying to do it all right all the time and fulfill the law of God. They were doing their best, but feeling the stress of realizing they weren't doing it perfectly or good enough. It is in this context that Jesus offers them a different solution. Instead of carrying the burdens themselves, they can lay their burdens at his feet. Now, these individuals in this passage, in context, were Jews that were trying to live under the law. 613 commands, expectations, every day, every week, 
every month, sometimes multiple things in a day, multiple things in a month, and you're trying to constantly keep it straight in your head. Okay, what am I going to do today? I got to do this, and I can't do that, and it's a Sabbath day, and I better not do this, and I can't do this. And not only did they have God's law, but with that, they had all these traditions of the religious leaders that just kept piling on more and more and more and more. To where if you on the Sabbath day walked up to a home and you kicked the mud off your shoes, you could be arrested and tried for working on the Sabbath day. That's not what Jesus had in mind. That's not what God had in mind when he said, today is a holy day and rest in that day. That's not what he meant. But mankind kept putting more and more things in there. And these poor people that with a great heart wanted to do the right thing. And they're just feeling the weight of that. I mean, could you imagine living every day with 613 commands on what you do, what you eat, where you go, how you say it? By the way, we can't get 10 straight. We would have a hard time with 613. By the way, we can't get one right. James says, if you offend in one area, you offend in all. That means you have to keep it perfect. Well, I've never killed anyone. Well, Jesus says, if you have hatred in your heart towards a brother, you've committed murder. Well, I've never committed adultery. Jesus says, if you look after a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. I mean, you see, this is the point of it. Jesus is saying, you can't keep any of these laws. And you weren't expected to. But these people in Matthew 11, they are trying so hard because the religious leaders are just piling it on. Pretending as though they've got it all figured out and you average people have no idea. And it's in this context to these people carrying that weight that Jesus says, would you just, would you just come? Would you just come unto me and I will give you rest? I mean, think about this. You've lived every day this way and you hear the invitation of rest. You will jump for joy to receive that rest. I mean, whatever it takes, I want that because I'm tired of being exhausted emotionally and in strength. Jesus offers them a different solution. Now, in the context, we're talking about the law of God trying to live in perfection versus the invitation of Christ into salvation. But I believe the principle of this text can be used with any burden or any weight that we're carrying in our own strength. I think we can take the same idea, the same principle here, and say, because I've been trying to carry this weight on my own, do it right, do it perfect, I can just surrender that to Christ. And so what do we do? We go to him in prayer. We take our burdens to Christ. And as we're doing that, we're also not only praying for these burdens to be lifted or wisdom through them, we're also exchanging our burdens. We're making an exchange of our burdens. Jesus says that those who are heavy laden with burdens, they're just weighing them down at the commands of the Pharisees. And again, this is the traditions of men, the things that have been added in, and the law of God, which we would never submit or be able to submit to perfectly. He's inviting them into this relationship, but it's not just give me your burdens and walk away. There's an exchange that's going to take place here. You see, the Pharisees said, do. The religious leaders kept saying, do this and do this. Jesus says, just come. Just come. One is based in us. The other is based in him. The doing is based in us. But when I just come to him and receive, it's based in him. So to be clear, Jesus, again, does not say, give me your burden and do whatever you want. He offers us a burden in the sense of responsibility that is easy and leads to rest. That's what he says in the text. Again, let's look at it. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, give me all your weights and your stress and your burdens, and I will exchange that with my yoke, or the burden, we're going to use that word of responsibility, that I'm going to place on your shoulders. But don't fear, my burden is light. My burden is easy in comparison to what you've been trying to carry. Again, the yoke that Jesus is speaking about in this text, in the negative sense, is defined as an idea of troublesome laws imposed on one. This is especially true of the Mosaic law. Hence, the name is so transferred to the commands of Christ as to contrast them with the commands of the Pharisees, which were a veritable yoke. Yet even Christ's commands must be submitted to, though easier to be kept. So when he says in a negative sense, give me your yoke, that's all this weight of the law you're trying to do, the traditions of the man, of man, all this stuff. Give me that. I will give you something that's more basically identified as the commands of Christ. I will place that on your shoulders. I will take your weight. You take that burden, that yoke. And it's easier to bear because it's given to us by Christ. And he's given us the strength to carry it, to endure it. To be clear, the reason the yoke that Christ gives is easier to be kept is because we merely submit to the Spirit who leads and guides us in the fulfilled and finished work of Christ. It's not easier to keep because I've gotten better at doing this or that. It's not that now I'm perfect, I can carry this thing. No, no, no. I'm still a humbled, previously known as a sinner individual who comes to Christ and says, no, I just submit to you. And he takes that weight and that burden of the the law that I could never carry. And he gives us this relationship and he says, okay, now I'm going to have some responsibilities for you. I'm going to ask some things of you. I'm going to expect some things from you, but don't worry. It's easy. It's light in comparison because with this, I'm giving you my spirit, which will indwell you at the moment of salvation, equipping you and empowering you to live the life I have for you to live. John 10, 10 the abundant life. But then he says, I'm also going to give you my word. And this word is going to be a a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path that you don't have to sit there and go, man, what do I do? We get into his word and we find wisdom and guidance and decision-making. And he says, listen, it's easy to bear, not because we are stronger, but because he has strengthened us in Christ. And we are being made into the image of Christ. And now, We can carry this yoke that he exchanges with us for our burdens. John writes something very powerful in his epistle in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. This is going towards the end of the New Testament. Uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are right before Revelation. And so we're getting down to the end of the New Testament. But he says this in 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments... And his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. What John is doing is John is in agreement with Matthew. And what Matthew records in Matthew 11. Jesus said, I will take your burdens and give you my yoke. But it's easy and light in comparison. And John says, that's the commandments that Jesus is asking us to live in and fulfill. But... They're not grievous to us. They won't grieve us. They won't break our hearts. They won't crush us because they are from Christ and we are equipped and empowered by Christ to live them out. The law was unable to be fulfilled and it was grievous. It was a weight on our shoulders. The law is not sinful because God gave us the law, but the law was grievous because we could not keep it. 
So it ended up breaking our hearts and crushing us because we just felt so heartbroken. We couldn't live that way. And so Jesus says, give me that. I will give you this yoke and watch now how I strengthen you to walk in my commands. See, it's a beautiful picture here of exchanging our burdens with Christ. And again, I believe this is true, not only in the moment of salvation, but I believe this is true. Every single time we come up against something, we need to surrender it to him and remind ourselves, no, no, you've given me a yoke to carry and I need to keep my eyes on you. When we know Christ as our savior, as we've been talking about on Sunday nights, going through Thessalonians, we will desire to walk in holiness, not because our flesh or culture thinks we should, but because we desire to obey, please, and glorify God. So why do we see his commands as not grievous? Because now that we've received Christ our Savior, we desire, we want to walk in holiness. We want to live in a way that honors him. Why? Not because the culture says we should. And by the way, they don't understand. That's one of the biggest stressors for the Christian. How do I live for Christ in a world that is antagonistic to the things of Christ? Well, first of all, stop worrying about the world's view of what you're doing because that's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it so the world goes, oh man, great job. No, we're doing it because we want to please, obey, and glorify Christ. Because he saved us. And if the world and the culture or your family or your friends or whoever doesn't get it, man, we love them. We encourage them with truth. We pray for them. We're gracious to them. We're not antagonistic or, or combative with them. But we're truthful and we say, I have to live this way because this is what my Savior's called me to. And so we live in these commands. They're not grievous. They're great blessings. But many Christians see any form of a responsibility in Christ as bad. Well, I'm, I'm free, brother. I've always said it before. You know, when brother's being thrown around, there's a problem. I'm free. Grace, grace, grace. Yeah, praise God we're saved by grace because we couldn't be saved any other way. But when God saved us by grace, he doesn't say, okay, cool, go do what you want. Now you can. You could do that. But man, if you want to enjoy the abundant life, the relationship with Christ and please him in a way that would use our gifts and talents to honor him, we submit to his authority and say, no, you're not just Lord of eternity. You're Lord of my life. I want to please you. Now, I know what you're thinking if you're like me. And when I, I say these things all the time, but it's true. When I remember sitting in chapel, hearing preachers say stuff like that, I thought, you have no idea. Man, I, I can't do that. And I start thinking about all the ways that I failed him, that I didn't please him, that I didn't obey him. And I want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, this journey we're talking about of giving and exchanging your burdens is a process. It's a process. We receive Christ and desire to please him, but it takes a lifetime. And I don't know why, but I feel like somebody needs to write this down. It takes a lifetime of the spirit working on us that we continue to become the image of Christ. We are saved, fully redeemed, fully saved, fully forgiven of all sin in the moment we receive Christ. Period. Finished. Done. Now we journey through this life and Christ is working on us. The Spirit is working on us. And praise God, we're all a work in progress. We're all being worked on. And if you're sitting there thinking like, well, maybe these other people down the road from me, they need some more work, but I'm pretty well done. And you probably need more work. You need more work. Okay. When you're driving in the car and you think those things, you need more work. Philippians 1.6. 
being confident. I love that phrase. Being confident. I am in a continual state of confidence, knowing something. Paul says, I know something that I'm so confident in, that he which begun a good work in you, this is Christ Jesus through salvation, will finish the work. He's not going to leave you unfinished. But he's molding and he's shaping you. He is the Romans chapter 9. He is the potter and we are the clay. And we're on that wheel. And he is shaping and molding. And guess what? Sometimes things got to be cut off the, the clay. Some things got to be thrown aside. And it's painful and it's difficult. But it's a journey of being made into the image of Christ. And so when we are presented before him, Ephesians 5, as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle, it's for his glory and his honor. And see, this is a process. It's a lifelong process of exchanging our burdens and being made into the image of Christ, living under his commands. It's not grievous. It is a blessing. So we take our burdens to Christ, first and foremost. The, the other practical thing that we can do when we feel weary or exhausted is to realize we're not the only ones feeling that way. Galatians chapter 6. Go over there quickly. Galatians chapter 6. Such a simple verse, but one I believe that we can read and apply daily. First thing we do is we take our burdens to Christ. We do that through prayer. We submit and exchange our burdens with Christ. We realize he's given us a different weight to carry. We don't need to live under the weights and the burdens of this world. We can submit and surrender those things to him living in a way that would please him. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. I don't have the page number for this one. I'm sorry. That was my bad. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. There it is. That's my first mistake of the year. So it's not bad. I mean, September, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think, see, Lynn understands. She gets it, but first one. Wow, I got to tell Sandra about that one. All right. She'll be shocked too, because she's, you know, yeah. All right, it's enough laughter, okay? We get it. I make lots of mistakes, all right? It's fine. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. It says this, Bear you one another's burdens. Bear you one another's burdens. Why? Why do we do that? Paul tells us. And so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? We've already kind of unpacked that. But I want to encourage us this morning. We're going to talk about that law of Christ in a minute. But I want to encourage you. We have been given a great blessing. Not only can we give our burdens to Christ. We can share our burdens with one another. We can share our burdens with one another. Fulfilling the law of Christ. Again, references back to that yoke we carry that he exchanges with us. We give him our burdens of trying to do it on our own. He says, no, here, take this. These are the responsibilities, the commands I'm going to ask of you. But it's easy and light in comparison because I'll give you the strength to endure. I'll give you the strength to do it and the tools you need. But we can fulfill the law of Christ by carrying the burden and bearing the burden of one another. It is a great blessing to carry the burden of someone else and matches the command that Christ gave to his disciples, he was clear that we are to love one another. 
You see, the legalist or the Pharisee of Jesus' day is not interested in bearing burdens. They are only interested in adding to them. See, this is the contrast that Jesus, again, is showing us. The legalist, the Pharisee, they're not interested in bearing a burden. Oh, no, 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 no. But I love adding more to your burden. And I mentioned it a little while ago. If you have someone, hear me now, church. If you have someone in your life that is consistently adding to your burden, then maybe you need to prayerfully consider that person having a more distanced relationship in your life. We don't have to let people keep adding to our plate things that we are unable to bear. Again, I'm not talking about the choosing we make to go and bear the burdens of someone else. But if you have someone in your life that is constantly, constantly adding to your burden, and we're not talking about biblical things, we're talking about just personal preferences, demands, expectations that are not going to be met, then maybe you need to prayerfully consider, Lord, maybe I need to do some distance here. Maybe this isn't a healthy relationship. And again, this is where the spirit of the Lord comes in. We have to seek wisdom on these things. So how do we bear each other's burdens? Again, I'm not saying we don't bear these weights. We invite these things into our lives, but we do it with wisdom. So how do we practically bear the burdens of someone else? I'll give you four quick things. This is just four simple things that as I was writing the notes, I just came, kind of came to my mind. Simple things. These are not profound things. We do these things almost instinctively as followers of Christ and don't realize it. The first thing we can do to bear a burden of someone else is to pray for them. Praying for someone is the greatest way to come alongside them and encourage them. And I would encourage you to share this with them that you are praying for them. Not so that you'll get a pat on the back and, oh man, you're a great guy, you're a great woman. Oh, oh you're so spiritual. Again, <clears throat> wrong, no, that's not why we do it. We tell someone we're praying for them so they'll know that God is moving in ways they can't even see. You know, there's nothing greater than when someone comes up to me and says, hey, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, genuinely, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. And they, well, and we say that, don't we? Oh, I'm praying for you. If you're going to tell someone you're praying for them, by the way, pray for them. Just saying, okay. Um, anyway, I know that was really profound. Wait, I got to pray for the person I'm telling you I'm praying for? Yes, you do. Yes, pray for them. We pray for them. Secondly, we serve them. How do we carry the burdens of somewhere else? We serve them. We make a meal for them. We lend a hand. We try to see what the needs are as they're carrying this burden. Things that aren't being addressed because they got all this stress and exhaustion. They just don't know what to do. Hey, how can I take something else off your plate? What can I do to help you in some way? Practically ask them. Now, ask them. Don't just assume things. Don't just show up at their house and go, hey, I'm here to do your laundry. We, here's why. Here's, and here's why. I know it's with great intention, but here's why. We want to respect the dignity of the individual. Some people will, will be so embarrassed if you walk in their house and see it as it is, they, that would do more harm than good. Oh, but brother, I'm doing it to be a blessing. Great. Then use your words. I tell my children this. Don't assume things. Use your words. How can I help you? What would be a blessing to you? What can I do? Can I, can I stop by? You can offer... Hey, can I do this, this, or this for you? If they say no, okay, well, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And then you leave it alone. But if you have the opportunity, and it is a blessing to them, you serve them. Thirdly, we spend time with them. Spend time with them. Just sitting and listening. Don't talk. Just listen. Talking will come, but don't talk yet. Just listen. I've always said it before, study the life of Job in the, in the Old Testament, or Job, however you want to pronounce it. 
he, his friends came and sat with him for a few days. And they did great at the beginning when they just sat and listened. It was when they opened their mouth, they got in trouble. So we can sometimes just sit and listen. But I want to give them the answer. Listen, as a man, I love giving the answer. Every man in this room, when your wife or your, someone in your, in your life comes to you and says, hey, I have a problem with something, you're like, oh, I'm going to fix this. Go. And you stop listening two minutes in because you're thinking about all the ways you're going to fix the first two minutes. You didn't miss the last ten minutes. And you start talking there going, are you even listening? Some of you go, this is real. This is getting real. Like you're getting a little uncomfortable. It's okay. We need to listen to them. Don't just try to fix it. Now, once we've done this, we've listened to them. We've, we've heard them out. We ask, would you like to go to God's word and see how we can maybe work this thing out? You direct them to God's word when appropriate. Share the freeing truth of the word when their emotions are trying to discourage them. We direct them to God's word. We direct them to truth, but we do it in an appropriate sense when they're willing and ready to hear it. Don't just start blasting them with this, you know, one verse. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, you know, the Bible says. That's great. And it does say it. And it is true. And they need to hear it. But in time. And just listen to them. See, we were not made to do this life alone. We need others to walk with us, to pray with us, and encourage us. So we bear one another's burdens. Here's the thing, too. You can't bear everyone's burdens that they're going through. Some of you are of the personality that you're trying to carry the weight of 15 people in your life. And you would be honest and say, I'm weary because I can't do it. And here's the thing. You were never meant to do that. So what I would encourage you to do is say, Lord, give me one person, maybe two people in a close relationship that I can help through these things. Yes, we can pray for many, many people. That's fine. We can serve many people. But when we start talking about those intimate sit and listen with them and get to know them and direct them time, that's where we need to kind of start restricting the number of people we're doing that with because we're going to just wear ourselves out. So I hope that makes sense. We can pray for all. We can serve many. But spending time with them and directing them to God's word will take more time. And therefore, we need to be wise in how many people we desire to do that with. Time's up. We got to go. Bell's going off. So, oh, if, that is, if that's the Lord, you better answer because that's a long-distance phone call. <laughs> so I want to look at this real quick. Galatians chapter 6, we read verse 2. But look at verse 1. It says here, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. This is not a coincidence or a mistake that Paul put verse 2 after verse 1. How do we go to somebody and desire to bear their burdens? We go humbly. Why? Because we may be calling them two weeks from now to saying, I'm just, I'm just wore out. Can you, can you help me with this? Can, see, we need to be humble because some of us are going to go, what's your problem? Let me help you. And so we're this grand spiritual person that never is, you know, concerned with the petty things that you are. No, we go humbly and say, no, we all need each other. Because the person you're helping today may be the one that lifts you up tomorrow. So we bear one another burdens. We go and we do that with each other. But how do we bear one another's burdens? We do it practically through those things we mentioned. Prayer, serving them, listening to them, directing them to God's word. But one of the things we have to remember as we get ready to close 
is we need to share our burdens with one another through prayerful wisdom. Through prayerful wisdom. We can be blessed to share the weights and burdens of this life with others, but that does not mean we need to share them with everyone. One thing we tend to fall victim to is telling everyone or no one, and neither is healthy. We tell everyone or we tell no one, and neither is healthy. When we are weary and exhausted emotionally and mentally, we do not need to tell everyone everything so that we are, quote, being real. This is a misconception today that, okay, to be real, I got to be so transparent. I literally just unload on everyone at five minute connection counter. Or when they're sitting here, how you doing, brother? And then you just feel the need to just literally tell them how you're doing in every exact detail. Because I'm being real. I mean, I got to be real. Now, listen, we can be transparent. We can be vulnerable and we can be real. But we don't have to do it with every single person we come across in our lives. And for one key reason, that's just not wise. That's just not smart. Because you have no idea who you're unloading on. You have no idea what they're going through. And you have no idea what they're going to do with what you just said to them. But man, you can say to someone, to be real, if you want to use that phrase. If they say, how are you doing today? Man, I'm kind of struggling. Would you pray for me? Boom. Done. Real. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Remember what I said? We can pray for everyone. We can serve many. But it comes to those last two steps. We need to be a little more restrictive because the Bible says we need to use wisdom in who we say these things to Psalms chapter one, right? We don't take counsel and and wisdom from the ungodly. We go to the godly and we ask them for their wisdom and insight. So we need to know the person to know, is this person walking with the Lord? Is this person in the word of God? Is this person at a position where they can help me with this? See, these are all things we need to kind of evaluate before we just unload on someone. Sharing your burdens with someone is a very personal moment. And that person should be, number one, a Christ follower. But number two, that will walk with you and push you to Christ. Again, I don't mean asking for prayer about something at a church or small group service. I mean really sharing the in-depth struggles. Also, if someone is sharing their burdens with you, that is not for you to share with everyone else. One of the quickest ways to stop being, stop us from being a genuine church and a church where we can trust and love one another is to be a church where the person that just shared their struggles with you two weeks later hears about that struggle for someone that they never told. Let that sink in for a moment. The quickest way to rob our church of the blessing of being the church is for someone to share their burden and struggle with you personally and intimately and just say, would you please pray for me? I just don't want to do about this. I'm seeking you one-on-one. And then two weeks later, somebody in the church comes and says, oh, I heard about how you're going through this, this, and this, and I'm really sorry for that. It's the quickest way to, to just kill the trust. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm really struggling with this, man, that is so valuable that they chose you, that they're considering you as someone they want to talk to, and then use great wisdom to say, keep my mouth shut about it. Because it is for no one else to know. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Gossip is the cancer that will kill the church. Not the church, big church. Jesus is growing that. I mean, our church. It will stop what God is desiring to do because we've let it stop us. And I know it's not about gossip, but I'm going to tell you right now, if someone comes into your life and wants to tell you a little something, something about someone else, you just be like, I don't really care to hear that. Well, what if it's true? That's okay. Then you and me, let's go talk to that person. And it's amazing how many people go, oh, no, no, I got to get going. I got something to do. I got to go. Put an end to it right there. 
See, we share these burdens with one another. We need to do it, yes, transparently and humbly, but use wisdom. We don't need to tell everyone everything that someone shared with us. Again, this is different than someone asking for prayer about something specific. That's their choice. But when you share it, that's gossip, just so we're aware of the difference. You see, we, through prayerful wisdom, we share our burdens with one another. This morning, we discovered that there is a hope for the weary. When we feel drained or wore out, we can go to Christ and he will lift our burdens because he cares for us. Write it down, 1 Peter 5, 7. Great verse. I encourage you to look at it this week if you have a time where you feel wearisome and exhausted. 1 Peter 5, 7. Not only are we blessed to cast our cares and burdens to Christ, he gives us brothers and sisters in the faith to bear our burdens with us. This is, again, why we need the church, not just occasionally, but continually. I personally am so thankful for the prayers of the church in my own life, and I know I could not be where I am today without the support of the church family carrying my burdens with me. And there are certain people in my life that have carried more than others, and that's okay. But the fact that they were willing to carry some made a huge difference for me. And I'm telling you, without no uncertainty, I have no doubts, that is why I'm standing here today. Not because of me, but because of those that carried the burdens with me through my life. I'm going to ask that we would bow our heads in a word of prayer, go to a time of invitation, and ask God to affirm these things in our hearts and minds. Father, Lord, I know that we unpacked a lot this morning. And I pray that in application that your spirit is doing the work that only the spirit can do. Lord, there may be somebody here today that heard something 30 minutes ago in the message and just locked onto that. And they've been praying about thinking through that one thing. And that's awesome. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, Lord, that is in a completely different spot right now. And, and you're working in something in their lives that had nothing to do with the message this morning then I pray that this time was spent you working on their hearts and minds and them responding to you in faith. Father, but maybe there is somebody here today that's been feeling the weight. They're exhausted. They're just wore down and wore out. Then I pray that this morning, without any hesitation, they're not going to look around. They're not going to worry about anyone else. They're, when we stand to our feet in a moment, they're going to get up from the chair and they're going to come down here and they're going to bend a knee. And say, Lord, you know the situation. I'm just tired. And they would come and they would lay that before your feet, Lord, that you would lift them up, that they would exchange that burden and go from trying to do it on their own to just coming to you and receiving that grace and that rest that you offer. And so, Father, maybe there's somebody here today that has been prayerfully considering sharing a burden with someone. They just know they need help. I pray you'd give them wisdom. Maybe they would come and bend a knee in prayer and you would put a name on their heart and mind or bring someone into their life, Lord. Whatever you're going to do, I pray that you would lead God indirect as only you can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we sing a song of invitation? As I said in my prayer, if you're feeling that weight, you're weary, just come. Bend the knee and spend time with him. Whatever God is doing, would you respond? Someone already moving. That's awesome. You respond. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't look around. You move need to spend some time with the Lord, come and do that this morning. We open it to you as we sing.